Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. You know, part of that last song, Here I Am the Worship, says, we'll never know how much it costs to see our sin upon that cross. Boy, that is so true. We, we think we have a pretty good idea, but I don't think we can quite grasp how much it costs. Uh, we don't want to ever treat that lightly. So let's pray. Father, thank you for worship. Thank you for the gift of worship. Thank you for, for people who are, who are willing to to get up on that stage and, and share their talent and, and honor you with it. So I just praise you for that. And continue to lead us, direct us, give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to this church this morning, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today is recognized on the calendar, in a lot of calendars, as Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, as we know, if you've read uh, the book of Acts in the second chapter, was when the promise of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' disciples when they were waiting in Jerusalem. He was getting ready to ascend back to heaven. He said, you wait. Don't go out and try to do this in your own strength. You guys wait. Wait for the gift that my father promised that you heard me talk about. Wait for that power, that, that dunamis power. That word dunamis is, is how it describes power. It's where we get our word dynamite, dunamis. So this was explosive power. This isn't, wasn't no weak stuff. This was... This was power. And uh, the Bible tells us that there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem. And they were there to celebrate the uh, Jewish Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot. We would call it Shavuot. I believe that's how, how it's pronounced. And the festival commemorated uh, the crop harvest every year. And it also commemorated the revelation of the Torah. It was when Moses received the law from God up on Mount Sinai. I believe that's accurate. I hope so. Anyway, the power of Holy Spirit came like the sound of a mighty wind. And I always thought it was a wind, but it says it was, it doesn't say it was a mighty wind. It says it was a sound like a mighty wind, like a violent wind coming from heaven. And the disciples and the other followers of Christ in that upper room saw what appeared to be what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues, in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's a word you don't hear a lot of these days, utterance. As Holy Spirit enabled them. Now, the speaking in other tongues mentioned in Acts chapter 2 I believe it's just describing how the disciples were able to tell the crowd about Jesus and the wonders of God in 15 different languages. Because there are 15 different people groups mentioned in this passage, and they were all hearing the message in their own language, in their own dialect. And I think I've shared this before, but I, years ago, when Lee University was Lee College, that's how far back this was, I was working in a picture framing place and we had two guys that went to Lee and um, they were going on their cross-cultural trip. 
and they were going to somewhere in Ecuador, which was out in the sticks somewhere, maybe it was jungle, and there was, there was a, a community of people in this village that didn't speak a lick of English, so they had an interpreter with them. And uh, I, I'm not, if the one guy was telling me this, I, I might have thought, well, he's just kind of exaggerating, but the other guy that went, he told me, Bob, it was unbelievable. He said, I've never seen anything like it. As they're going closer and closer to this village, and there's a little sign that says, now entering whatever the village was, this one guy from Lee, he could understand the language that the people in that village were speaking. Not only that, he could speak the language. He could speak all the slang. He knew the dialect of that area, and they were there for 10 days. And for all 10, they didn't even need the interpreter because this guy understood everything they were saying. He was able to tell them about Jesus. He was there to play guitar and lead worship. So for 10 days, this guy spoke the language and understood the language. And on the last day, when they prayed together as a group and uh, hugged everybody and left, when they crossed back over that line and left that village, he couldn't speak it anymore. He couldn't remember one word of it. And the guy said, wait a minute, you were like, you, you just spoke so much. What, what, what did he say when he said, he said, I don't remember. So see, the Holy Spirit was using him. That's a powerful thing. And if I didn't know the guy or work with the guy, I would have doubted it. But man, stuff like that still happens. Well, that's what was happening here because there's 15 different people groups all in Jerusalem, and they're hearing this message in their own language, in their own dialect, in their own native tongue. Now, this is different than praying in tongues. It's different than having a spiritual gift of tongues or having a prayer language, okay? And, you know, we talk about God's timing being so much different than our timing on things. And God's timing on this event, on this day of Pentecost, Knowing Jerusalem was going to be filled with people from all over the world, that was perfect timing. Because all these people from different areas not only heard about it, they saw it. They were there, and they heard about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it confused a lot of people that day, right? There was a lot of skeptics. And like I said last week, Holy Spirit power still confuses a lot of people today. <laughs> Don't be afraid of it. I know, I know the gifts of the Spirit have been abused, but don't let that shot keep you away from them. They're there for us, and they're there for the church today. And we knew Peter, the Apostle Peter, when he was still BP Peter, before Pentecost Peter. We know how he let fear creep into his life, and he was a coward in front of a, a young servant girl, and he denied Jesus those three times. But now, now Peter had been forgiven, he was restored by the resurrected Jesus on the shoreline after that miraculous catch of fish. Remember when, when Jesus asked him, Peter, or he said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yeah, yeah. Do you love me more than that? Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. And each time Jesus told him, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, feed my sheep. So for every denial, when you think about it, Peter denied Jesus three times, and this was Jesus restoring Peter for each denial three times. And now, on this day of Pentecost, here's Peter, the, the, the new spirit-filled Peter, and he, he stands up and he's explaining to the crowd what was really happening. And he tells the people that this is prophecy being fulfilled. And he, and he tells them about the Old Testament prophet Joel, and he quotes Joel, and he says to the people, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. 
kind of like our, that opening video. Pour your spirit out, right? And he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. He says, even on my servants, both male and female, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And Peter's telling the crowd, that's what this is. This is that, right? What you're seeing, what you're hearing today, this, the stuff that's confusing you. This is what Joel spoke about way back then. This is the, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is those days. Do you get it? And Peter finishes quoting the prophet Joel by saying, and everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Pentecost, Peter, he preaches this powerful, bold sermon on repentance. And the Bible says about 3,000 people got saved and baptized that day. 3,000! Now remember, the people came to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, the celebration of the harvest of the crops. And Holy Spirit added another harvest. He added a harvest of 3,000 souls. So there was a physical harvest of crops, and there was a spiritual harvest of souls. Man, that's, that's Holy Spirit power at work on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And on this Sunday, this Pentecost Sunday, June the 5th, 2022, I want us to look at something that Peter wrote about that Holy Spirit power. In fact, that's the title of today's message, Holy Spirit Power. And we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. So, Lord, open up your word to us. Make it come alive in a fresh new way this morning for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, our opening video was about Holy Spirit being poured out. Uh, the video Chris played during offering was called Holy Spirit Come. That was a new song for me. And that's exactly what happened. Holy Spirit came in a very powerful, unforgettable, life-changing way. Peter's life was transformed that day, so... So let's see how we can be encouraged by his words in 2 Peter in chapter 1. Because otherwise, this is just an old, old story, right? But it's for us today. I believe everyone here is for a reason today. So we, we want to hear what the Lord is speaking through his word. Chapter 1, 2 Peter, beginning in verse 1. It says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Let's hold it right there. Notice. Peter refers to himself as Simon Peter. Simon was his old name, his old nature name, before he met Jesus. Right? He was Simon, son of John. And Jesus renamed him Peter from that word Petros, which means rock. And maybe Peter just wanted to not forget how far he had come and, and just wanted to remind himself who he was before his life was transformed, before he was given a new life and a new name. And then notice he refers to himself as a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Some translations use the term servant and apostle. Some use the term bondservant and apostle. But Peter identifies himself first as a slave, as a servant to Christ. He's not confused about his identity. He's a servant first, and he's an apostle second. Look what he says next. He says, I am writing to all of you who share the same precious faith we have. Faith given to us by Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, who makes us right with God. There was a lot of false teaching going on 
to the church when Peter wrote this. And he's identifying Jesus as Jesus and God. You know, I'm writing to all of you who share the same precious faith we have. I had, I had Chris underline that uh, so we can let them sink in before we move on. The Apostle Peter, same guy who walked on water, briefly, but he did it. Peter the rock, right, from Jesus' inner circle. He's saying that if we're believers, we share the same precious faith he had. And he walked with Jesus. Other translations call it a faith of equal standing with ours, a faith of equal privilege. Sometimes we can mistakenly think of these people in the Bible as these super Christians with a, a much greater faith than we could ever have. Now, granted, there were some strong, faith-filled believers back then. Daniel in the lion's den, Elijah up on Mount Carmel, believe in having faith. But that's not what Peter's saying. He's saying we can share that same precious faith he has because this faith is given to us by Jesus himself, and he makes us right with God. And then Peter tells us, may God bless you with his special favor and wonderful peace. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? I want to pray that over you. May God bless every one of you with his special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know Jesus, our God and Lord, better and better. Oh, that's a good one. See, that's the key to his favor and the key to his peace, getting to know him better and better. Well, how do you get to know someone better? You spend more time with them, right? You hang out with them. You listen to what they're saying. If I didn't know Rob and me and him sat down at Panera one day and all I, all I, did, was all the, all I did all the talking, I wouldn't know Rob because I didn't give him an opportunity to tell me about himself. So we get to know people better and better by spending time with them and listening to them. That's how we get to know the Lord better. Spend time with him. Listen to his word. Because I believe we all want his favor. I know I do. And his favor is a wonderful thing. And I believe we all want his peace. I mean, I want an abundance of his peace. But how many of us are willing to make the effort to know Jesus better and better? To know him better through studying his word. To know him better through spending more time praying to him, communing with him, talking with him. See, to enjoy these special privileges that the Lord freely offers us, we need to come to know Jesus, our God and Lord, better and better, as Peter tells us here. To know him, not just know a lot about him, not just head knowing, we need heart knowing. And we gain more of his favor and more of his peace as we get to really know him better and better. See, knowing him is the key. Growing in the knowledge of the Lord helps us understand his nature more, and that should make it easier for us to make better and wiser choices instead of foolish, selfish ones. Well, should I do this or should I do that? Should I go here or should I stay away from there and go over here instead? What should I say yes to? What should I say no to? See, when we know the Lord better, it becomes easier to make wiser choices, choices that honor him. And speaking of Holy Spirit power, look what Peter writes in verse 3 and 4. He says, as we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us what? Everything. His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. Did you know that? 
Do you think the American church knows that? Do you think the American church truly believes that this Holy Spirit power, his divine power gives us everything we need to live a godly life? Do all the Christians you know live their lives like they really believe that his divine power gives them everything they need to live a godly life? Because sometimes I wonder, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm, I'm looking at my own life first. And as we know Jesus better, don't, don't leave that part out. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything, not most things, everything we need for living a godly life. He's called us to receive his own glory and goodness. Not our goodness, not our glory, but we receive his glory and we receive his goodness. Wow. And by that same mighty power, there's that Holy Spirit power again, and by that same mighty power, he has given us all, listen, all of his rich and wonderful promises. What? Did you hear that? Let that sink in. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all, not some, all of his rich and wonderful promises. Right? All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Man, can you believe this? That sounds too good to be true. As we get to know Jesus better, his divine Holy Spirit power gives you and me everything we need, right? Everything we need to live a godly life. We have no excuses for not living a godly life unless, unless we really don't want to live a godly life, right? What, what other excuse could we have for not living a godly life unless we just don't want to? That's so foolish. But then, People make foolish choices every day. I hope none of us are that foolish, though. Man. All right, listen to this next part. He has promised, now we're talking about Jesus. He, Jesus, he has promised that you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires. See, sometimes when we look around at the world, we look around at our nation, and we, we see how much ungodly stuff is being celebrated, how much ungodly stuff is being applauded, and we can get discouraged and we can feel like we're fighting a losing battle. But Peter is encouraging us this morning by telling us that Jesus himself has promised that we will escape the decadence, the wickedness, the evil, the perversion all around us that is caused by evil desires. And get this. And that you, that includes us, right? You put your name in there. And that you... You people at Joy Christian Fellowship, you will share in his divine nature. Are you kidding me? These four verses we've looked at so far are just loaded with incredible promises. And it's there for us to receive as we get to know Christ better. Remember, that's the key, getting to know him better. We can share the same faith, Peter tells us, that him and the early disciples had because it's a faith given to us by Jesus himself. We can be blessed with his special favor and wonderful peace as we get to know him better and better. And as we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything. Everything we'll ever need to live a godly life, a life that pleases him, a life that honors him. And by that same divine power, he has given us all, every one of his rich and wonderful promises. And on top of all that, He's promised that we will escape 
all the ungodly garbage that is all around us these days and that we will share in his divine nature. This just keeps getting better and better. This is good stuff. I hope this is encouraging somebody today. We will share in his divine nature. You know, Jesus could have just gone through all the agony of the cross to provide for us the only way to eternal life with him. And after he rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven, he could have said, there, I'm done. I did my job. I came and did the work I was given to do. My work here is finished. Have a good life while you're here. Obey my commands, but just leave me alone. He could have done that. He could have just saved us from hell, and that would have been a whole lot more than we deserve. But he makes us partakers of his divine nature. I mean, we get to share in his divine nature. In other words, we're to live our daily lives with him and all of his divine attributes. Are we walking with God? Are we experiencing his wonderful attributes? When people see us, do they see Jesus? When people hear us, do they hear Jesus? Are we becoming more like him as we get to know him better? Are we even getting to know him better? And if not, why not? He gives us his instructions out of his love for us. This is all about his love for us. And he also gives us the freedom to choose out of his love for us. Because forcing us to do anything isn't love. Right? That's not love. And our Heavenly Father doesn't force anything on anybody. But he does have some very effective ways of getting our attention when we start drifting away from him. I know that by life itself. He paid a huge price for us on that cross. And he wants us to participate with him, with his divine nature, to serve Jesus better, to learn and to live a godly life as an example to others. Because people are watching us. Lewis and me and Scott, we gave out free hot dogs again Wednesday in Charleston. And people talked with us about some things that we didn't necessarily agree with, but I think they're watching just, okay, how these... How these guys gonna react to this, you know? And I caught myself because I could feel my defense kicking in. I said, No, 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 no. Let them talk. Let them talk. You're here to bless. You're here to to pray for them. You're here just to show that love of Jesus. You know, a lot of people can say, Well, they they never had that godly example lived out in front of them when they grew up. And I get that. I know a lot of people like that. I didn't have it in front of me when I grew up. I understand it. But don't let your kids and don't let your grandkids be able to say the same thing about you, okay? Don't let that happen to you. As screwed up as we can be, sometimes Jesus still wants us to share in his divine nature. But how, how do we do that? I mean, it sounds good and all, but how can we realistically participate and share in his divine nature? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Look what Peter tells us in verse 5 and 6. So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Make every effort. This stuff isn't just going to fall in our laps. If we really want all these great things we've been looking at in the first four verses, then verse 5 and 6 tell us how to get them. Make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. And then Peter gives us a sequence of things. He gives us a progression of things that will eventually lead us 
to God's goal for all of us. Look at it. So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Then, once we do that, then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. Well, there's something to shoot for. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. That's what Peter's been saying. You've got to know him better. Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance, and patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians, and finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. And finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. I mean, take some time. Go back over these verses and meditate on them so they really sink in. And finally, we will grow. If we follow this pattern, we'll grow to have genuine love for everyone, not just the people we like. It's easy to love the ones we like. But can you imagine what this world would look like if just the professing Christians would live like this? I'm not saying we, we compromise our faith. I'm not saying we compromise our beliefs. I'm not saying we condone ungodly choices people make. But if we could grow to have genuine love for everyone, wow, that would turn this world upside down for his kingdom. So how do we do it? Well, we start by getting to know him better. Well, we talked about how do you get to know somebody better. But if we don't know him as our personal savior yet, well, then we, we better start there. Jesus couldn't love us any more than he does right now. You know that, right? There, there's nothing we can do to make Jesus love us any more than he does right now. And there's nothing we can do to make him love us any less than he does right now. I think we, we make the mistake of sometimes still thinking of him as human. Because I think of ways, you know, when I was growing up, well, if, if I do this, my parents will be happy with me. But if I do that, man, they're going to really be mad. They're not going to love me as much, or at least I'll feel. They're not going to love me as much because I really screwed up. But if I do something really good, wow, they're going to love me even more. God doesn't operate that way. Jesus doesn't operate that way. So remember, there's nothing you can do, good or bad, that's going to change the way God loves you. It's hard to understand sometimes. But that's good news. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news about Jesus taking our place about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins because he didn't have any of his own, right? He didn't have to die for any of his own sins because he didn't have any. But it doesn't make sense. When, when you try to think about it logically, it doesn't make sense. Why? Why would he go through all that agony with no guarantee that any of us would come to him? No guarantee any of us would ask him to forgive us, ask him to come live in us, to save us from ourselves. God bless you guys. Good to see you. <laughs> see you soon. To save us from ourselves. Some of us need to be rescued from ourselves, right? We're just going down the wrong path, and, and we, we think we're okay, and we're not. We need him to save us from our sin. But he went to the cross out of love and obedience, and he has a genuine love for everyone. And we're told in the scriptures today that every one of us can grow to have genuine love for everyone too. It's like, man, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I didn't write these words. Every one of us, I believe, can grow 
I'm not saying we're there yet, but we can grow to have genuine love for everyone too. Doesn't mean we'll agree with them. Doesn't mean we were condoning stuff that's ungodly. But we can still love them. People need to know they're loved, right? If, if we'll make every effort to apply the benefits of all God's promises to our lives. Or are we doing that? Or are we too busy pursuing other stuff? So let's remember, His Holy Spirit power, His divine power, gives us everything we need for living a godly life. Boy, that's such good news. And I hope that we will all make every effort to live that godly life that he promises us. Amen? Let's pray for that. Please stand with me if you're able. Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, we look back at what happened in Jerusalem in the book of Acts and this story of the, the two guys in Ecuador where the one guy, you gave him a, that language, that dialect, and, and, and just the miraculous way you showed up and, and radically changed people. And we need more of your spirit in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our workplace, in our homes, wherever we are. We want to walk in that power and authority. We don't want to walk arrogantly. We want to walk humbly. It's like Peter. goes, yeah, I, was, I walked on water. I, I was Jesus' right-hand man. He goes, no, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. I'm a servant first. Then I'm an apostle. We need to be servants first. Whatever else we do, whatever else we accomplish, that, that has to be secondary. But we are servants of Christ first. And we can grow and we can learn to have genuine love for everyone if we will make every effort to do these things. It's all there. It's not hard to understand. And I want to encourage everybody, go back over those six verses we looked at this morning from Second Peter chapter 1. Whew, there's so much in there, so much in there that applies to life today here in this world today. So I pray blessings over everyone here, the families represented, whatever needs there are, Lord, you already know the provision. And I just pray bring comfort to those who are hurting. Encourage those who are discouraged. Give joy to those who are upset. Give hope to those who are struggling. And, and Lord, your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So where we're weary and worn out, give us more of your joy. I mean, it's the name of this church, joy. It's a word of life, and we want more joy. We want more of you. Bless everyone here. And uh, if anyone wants prayer for anything, I'll be up here for a while. If you can pray for somebody, maybe, maybe Holy Spirit, being he came today on this Pentecost Sunday, is nudging you. Hey, go over and pray for that person. They're hurting. Go pray for that person. Let them know you care. This is a family, right? This is a family. You put us here together, and we want to honor you. We want to bless your name in everything we do and say and act more like you so that when people do see us and hear us, they see you, not us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.